is the Jaguar Enthusiasts Club podcast. On this episode, we're joined by master detailer from Maguire's, Dale Masterman, to share his top tips on how to make your Jaguar gleam. Plus, Richard West talks XJR 100s, and Tom Robinson gets rained off at Snetterton. JECpodcast.com Hello and welcome to quite a momentous moment for the Jaguar Enthusiast Club podcast. Hope you're well. Wayne Scott with you on your 20th episode of the JEC podcast. I can't quite believe where the time's gone, to be honest. It's certainly flown by with all the great, amazing interviews we've been lucky to have. And if you're one of the few that's been with us for all of those 20 weeks since the very beginning... When we started this in the middle of the pandemic lockdown, chatting, of course, to racing legend Win Percy, thank you so much for sticking with us, supporting the podcast, and downloading it every week. Amazingly, over 3,000 of you are listening to this podcast now every week. It truly is keeping the global Jaguar community in touch during these crazy times. But if you've only just joined us, well, welcome. The great news for you is that you can binge listen to all of our previous episodes really easily via jcpodcast.com where you'll find our chats with the likes of Martin Brundle, Kevin McLeod from Grand Designs, Mike Wilds, Wynne Percy, Carl Jones and Tony Merigold from the Jaguar Daimler Heritage Trust just to name but a few that you can listen to now. You can subscribe using the various podcast services automatically as well. If you use Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, you'll find the links to subscribe on each of those platforms, plus many more on our homepage at jcpodcast.com. And all that means is that the moment we upload a new episode, your device will ping and notify you right away that there's a new episode for you to listen to. And best of all, it's all totally free. You can get in touch with us as well. Always keen to hear from you via the contact form and the voice recorder, don't forget, at jecpodcast.com. Just click the contact button on there. Uh, just like Nick Stallard did, who wrote to us and said that he'd been with us since the very beginning and looks forward to Friday each week to listen to the next episode of the podcast. Brilliant job, he says. Keep them coming. Well, Nick, we will. And we've got some really exciting interviews on the way in the next few weeks as well, I can assure you. And I'm really looking forward to it memories of motorsport richard remembers on the jaguar enthusiasts club podcast well as we continue episode 20 of the jaguar enthusiast club podcast we welcome back richard west uh, another story from a lifetime in motorsport and uh, richard i understand you weren't with us in the last episode because you were traveling around some beautiful place in your xjr 100 weren't you somewhere <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Apologies, but actually, I, I likened it to my wife. We were talking yesterday, and I said uh, I've realised I've missed one episode of the podcast, which was a bit like missing out on winning Monza the year when we would have won sixteen out of sixteen races at McLaren. So there we go. Same importance to the podcast as those years of glory. Um, yeah, I was. I do apologise, Wayne, for not being available. I'm, 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 as you know, I'm lucky enough to own a brace of uh, XJR 100s the anniversary car that was produced in 2001-2002 to mark the uh, centenary of uh, the company's creators, Sir William Lyons. And um, I got one of the cars out because it needed to have a few miles on it, and I got a bit carried away before I was. It was quarter to nine in the evening. But it's, it really is a special car, and it's something if um, you feel that we've got some interest, that I could talk a bit about because they, they really are something very, very special. 
Well, let's get geeky about it for a minute because they are an incredible car and one of those special editions that in recent years has kind of been a bit overlooked actually um only 500 were ever built um and 82 of those uh, for the uk the rest of them went overseas and they were all finished with that anthracite metallic paint and with the charcoal leather upholstery weren't they all of them the same they were indeed and in fact what's interesting i um there's, there's a debate over whether it's 80, you know some say 82 some say 85 some say 89 um, Andy Brooks, who, who was featured in the July uh, ex, uh, a Jaguar Enthusiast magazine, his XR100 had the title Refurbishing in X308 to Extremes. And in his um, leaflet that he provided with the car, which I now own, it, it's believed that only 89 were sold. I tried to get to the bottom of it with um, Jaguar Heritage when I got my Heritage certificate for both of the cars. And unfortunately, a number of the records from that era, 2001, 2002, aren't there. But for those of you who are not familiar with the car, the XR100, that centenary car, is based on the X308, which is a model that I particularly love. And Jaguar really spec'd it out, apart from the exterior paintwork and the leather that you refer to. It came with our performance uh, Brembo cross-drill brakes. It's on 19-inch, nine-spoke BBS alloy wheels. And um, it's a very luxurious car. I mean, it has a superb CD system in it that uh, has 12 speakers. It's a quick car, too. It's four-litre, based around the AJV8 engine, which produces 370 horsepower. And it produces so much torque, that supercharged engine. It's actually fitted with a Mercedes gearbox, uh, the same one that has been used in many of their high-performance cars because of the enormous torque that it produces. Uh, 0-60 in 5.3 seconds and a top speed of 155, which I've never certainly done, and I wouldn't be brave enough to do. Uh, and that's electronically limited, I'm told, with the limiter off them. They are actually much, much quicker than that. Well, of course, it was the fastest production saloon car when it was launched, and those limiters put in place because there was a bit of an arms race that developed between uh, German manufacturers at the time, and there became a bit of a thing where they would go out with motoring journalists from the various magazines and try and beat the top speed of the other premium sports luxury vehicle that they'd tested the week before it all got a little bit out of hand so in the end the manufacturers got together and said let's all stop this and limit our vehicles to 155 and jaguar joined the party at that point as well and i guess inside it's got that lovely gray maple wood that the xjr's had as well yeah it has i mean a lot of them they had the greener woods but the xr 100 and the xkr 100s the the two-seater versions or the two plus twos of which there were also 500 produced and i think i'm right in saying with those there was 250 soft tops 250 hard tops of the xkr 100 uh, and in fact that's a car i'm desperate to own i would love to be able to have a brace if you like the saloon and the sports car and um, the finish on them is absolutely exceptional i think there's a top gear um uh, video piece on YouTube somewhere where Richard Hammond tests them and much to the horror of XJR 100 owners he refers to the plastic trim which he didn't like but of course it's highly lacquered and it is a genuine veneer trim and in that lovely green very discreet X, XJR and XKR on both model branding and they are becoming a rarer car you made the comment uh, in the introduction saying that you know they've been overlooked from my from my research, I can only find about 38, 39 of them in the UK now, the saloon cars. Um, some, some of them, sadly, have failed their MOTs and, uh, and gone too far. But you do have to be careful with anything from that X308 era. You know, the car that I first owned um, is an 86,000 mile example, which I've still got. 
that we found some rust in that this year, which we had no idea was there, and we spent some time doing that. And in fact, the concourse car, as I refer to it, the car that was built by Andy Brooks, which I bought, I mean, about three years ago, Andy bought that as a 50,000 miler, and um, he ended up spending nearly 14,000 pounds on that car, which required extensive bodywork, inner flitch panels, inner sill work, yet the car looked superb. So if you're out there and tempted by one of these beautiful models, do take the time to take it into somebody like Swallows or one of your, you know, reputable um, dealers that you use for your maintenance or somebody you know in one of those situations and do get them to have a really good look in the sills and the chassis. Otherwise, you can buy yourself quite an expensive project. They don't shout that they're a limited edition, but if you get close to one, you can just see those subtle little uh, 100 badges, the little emblems that are across the car, can't you? That's one of the giveaways. It Literally, it's that badge on the rear boot lid that says the R100 and also... You know, if you are a purist, you recognise the wheels on them and the body line and various other things. But in actual fact, once you get inside one, you immediately know you're in something different. And they just drive beautifully. Um, I'm being a real petrol head now, but I had new tyres fitted on uh, my higher mileage one recently. And that was the car. When I went AWOL last week, went missing when I should have been talking to you. And I ended up doing a couple of hundred miles. I had some business at the other end of the trip. And it was just a joy to drive. And... When you get them right, when you, you, you spend some time, get the suspension bushes all redone and everything else, it's a lot of work and a lot of investment, but truly, you get out of the car and you just don't feel like you've done a journey. They are absolutely useful to drive. So, there's anybody out there who's got uh, an XKR100 and they're interested in uh, owning an XJR100, I'm quite happy to talk swapses and a balance because... As I say, I would love to end up with a sports car and the saloon. It would be, it is an ambition for me to have one of each, to be honest. We've spoken to you, Richard, in the past about why Jaguar for you, but what was it in particular about those limited edition cars that really sparked your imagination? Well, as you rightfully say, we've sort of talked about what sparked my interest in previous episodes, you know, from my Formula One and sports car days. This particular model, I think the fact that it celebrated Sir William Lyons, because when you look back at the history of Jaguar, you look at what you know he achieved in those early days and the workforce under him achieved in those early days. And I think it was a fantastic recognition of what he set in place that now has become such a popular mark and such a, a brand following around the world today. And all of our members certainly within the JDC, why they love their cars so much. And I, I, you know what made it for me? I pulled into a garage forecourt on the way back the other day to get some fuel. And there was a young guy with a Subaru Impreza fueling up. And he came over to me and he said, wow, that's a really lovely car. You know, what is it? And I said, it's a changer. And he said, oh, did you put the wheels on it? And I said, no, no, no. And we, we pulled over and we ended up having like a 10 minute conversation, you know, two meters apart, obviously. But he said, that's really a beautiful car. And he said, I haven't seen one around like that. And that, to me, is what makes it special. It's not that thing of, look what I've got. It's actually somebody who's prepared to come across and to use the phrase, share the passion with you. And, you know, he said, oh, I'd really like to get a car like that. And the Impreza was equally as impressive, you know, with its 450 horsepower and six-inch exhaust and everything else. Not my cup of tea at my age. But it was nice to see a young person come over and really recognize what a lovely car they are so yeah great pride in owning it great great fun in driving it and uh, hopefully we can all get together again soon in much bigger groups and uh, share that passion that we all have for the mark 
Well, whilst the XJR100 version of the X308 is uh, fetching nice prices now on auctions around the place, when you do find one for sale, of course the X300s and X308s are very affordable classic Jaguars still, and very versatile, as Tom Robinson from Swallows Jaguar will tell us now, as he reports back on his race at Snetterton in the JC Race Series in his X300 XJR. You're listening to the Jaguar Enthusiasts Club podcast. Well, Tom Robinson has arrived at Snetterton after the long trip northeast for him, but the weather was to play a devastating role. So, just called us up for the first qualifying session, and um, we're in assembly area now, waiting to go out and track. So, it looks like it's quite a good turnout, actually. There's quite a few varied cars again. Um, as I was saying from Fruxton, we are now running with the Open Series, so it is quite nice actually putting up, putting the Jags up against some other cars um, to kind of monitor lap times of similar yeared vehicles. So um, I've got a Porsche in front of me, um, a little Cayman, so that should be interesting to see how, how the Jag fares with that. Um, but there is quite a few cars, so I think it's going to be busy, so I'm probably going to take it easy for the first sort of four or five laps um i've got brand new brake discs on the car so i do re and pads so i do want to bed those in as gentle as possible before i go go too mad and hopefully i can get a clear run to get a lap in um later in the session um which i think is going to be a difficult with the traffic but if i can monitor that and see where i end up and sort of pace myself against some of the other cars sometimes that can help with a little bit of toe if there's a slightly faster car um but i'm not really gonna know till we get out there so let's see what we can do i've just got out of the car after um qualifying session um and i have to say i'm a little bit surprised um i didn't quite realize um the lap time that we managed to achieve um but we've done exactly what we needed and put the car on pole so um absolutely brilliant start to to the weekend to be honest with you um it was quite busy out there though i have to say i was struggling to get a lap in for for quite a while and um uh, basically there was a red flag scenario one of the jags had spun um on some coolant so they red flagged us back into the pits we queued up in the pits and they basically said there was around eight minutes left of the qualifying session and when the re um when the jag had been cleared from the circuit they would let us back out so I decided to hold back um, and let all of the cars go out first. Um, I think we were in about third at that at that point, and we still weren't quite there on where we have been in the past for the lap time. So I knew there was more left in the car, and the car was feeling really good as well. So I decided to hold back, and I managed to do um, an out lap um, and one quick lap, and that was the pole lap. So I'm I'm really pleased, and and the car's feeling absolutely brilliant. Um, all the brakes bedded in lovely, just as we expected. Um, we, did, we did have a small issue, well I'm not sure if it's an issue to be honest, um, the engine coolant was getting a little bit warmer than I've seen before. Um, I'm not just I'm not sure if this is just because the ambient air temperature is a little bit warmer than we've run it in this season so far, um, but it, it didn't. It seemed stable so I'm not too concerned about it. Um, but looking at the weather forecast, I'm fairly confident um, we're going to be having a wet race so it shouldn't be too much to worry about. So yeah, no excuses now. Um, like I say, we're on pole, so I've just got to hope we stay there. I'm just que queuing up to go out in race one, and I don't know if you can hear the rain that's thundering down on the top of the car. It is absolutely torrential. I can't even see the end of my bonnet at the moment. So we're queuing up, waiting to go out. Unfortunately, we took the risk, and uh, we're on a 
a dry setup um, as it has been absolutely bone dry um, here. It's threatening to rain, but we were hoping we would get at least this race in the dry and possibly race two in the wet. Now, by the looks of things, it looks like they're holding us up. So there's obviously some sort of problem with regards to track conditions. Um, I mean, the amount of water that's coming into the paddock where we're sat, there's literally a river running down the hill. So I'm assuming they're probably not going to let us out in this. Um, they'll probably pull us back to the paddock and wait an hour and see if they can sort the track's conditions before they let us out. Um, Jack's, uh, poor old Jack's frantically trying to set the car up to wet while we're sat here. I've got the car up in Jack's and he's just working behind just to soften the dampers and see if we can get this car somewhere uh, a lot softer. So we've just got a little bit more compliance, at least in the wet with the conditions. Um, so yeah, we'll keep you posted. <laughs> Now, by the looks of things, quite a few guys are just heading back to the paddock. I haven't had any instruction to do so, um, but that looks like what's going to happen. So, um, oh, actually, a marshal's wandering up to the car now. So, um, I'm going to head back to the paddock, um, and hopefully, this rain does slow down. But it's just absolutely torrential. The whole paddock, by the looks of things, is already flooded, and it's just washing straight out onto the circuit. I mean, you can't even see um, the curbs at Coram. It's literally running down the hill. So, it should be interesting, but. It looks like we're going to head back to the pits and wait for further instruction. Now back in the paddock and um, we're just waiting for a decision. They've just announced in the tannoy that they're going to give us some further information at three um, to update us whether any of the racing is going to go ahead. But it sounds like they've had a couple of the drains or the water traps on the circuit fail just with the amount of water. So there is a um, pretty much a lake over through the, the infill part of the circuit, which is the 300 part. So it's not looking good at the moment, but hopefully we'll get some more news. So I'm just going to see if we can try and dry some of the water out of the car. I mean, it's it's just absolutely soaked. All of the floor is it is about an inch of water in there. So we're just going to try and dry it out, um, wipe all the windows down, see if we can get some um, anti-mist on all of the screens just, just to top that up, just to make sure if we do go out, we are ready. Um, but it's, it's looking touch and go at the moment. I hope they do go ahead, but at the same time, um, if there is sitting water, it can be pretty dangerous. It's all good being wet, but standing water um, with aquaplaning and stuff um, with a, a 40 car grid will be a little bit interesting. So, um, yeah, like I say, they're going to announce the next half an hour and fingers crossed we'll be back out racing shortly. Well, sadly, Tom never did get back out on track again after Snetterton experienced a month's worth of rain in just 45 minutes. The meeting was therefore abandoned and he'll tell us more next week. You're listening to the Jaguar Enthusiasts Club podcast. Join the Jaguar Enthusiasts Club now at jec.org.uk. And now our feature interview is talking to one of the Jaguar Enthusiast Club main partners. It is Maguire's. They, of course, provide club members with all of the detailing products, the shampoos, the polishes, the waxes, everything you need to make your Jaguar look amazing. And uh, we're talking to Dale Masterman from Maguire's. And we've also got Greg Little with us, who is a JC member who's just had his X-Type. Well, it's had the full treatment, basically, by the Maguire's boys. They're going to talk us through exactly what what they did to Greg's X-Type and how amazing it's looking in just a moment. But Dale, starting with you, Maguire's has an incredible history in the automotive market, doesn't it? Began way back in 1901. It did. Um, it's kind of the, the business itself has grown with the automotive market. They say it started in 1901. We actually started as furniture polish and we didn't make car products till the 30s. Um, and this was very much during the boom of people 
ordering brand new cars, treating themselves to cars as be, as they came more kind of easy accessible to the everyday person, especially in America. Now, from the 30s to the 70s, it was very much uh, based upon the professional sector. So it was cars on the body in the body shop and on the assembly line. But come the late 70s, we then moved into the consumer range where that really blew up for Meguiar's and really became the household name that it is today. And it was very much a family business in those early years, wasn't it? Right the way through to the 1950s, it was um, Frank Maguire running the business and then one of his sons took over after that. And, and it's been amazing that it's it stayed in those family hands for most of the 1900s, basically. Yeah, and, and Barry Maguire, um, who was very much the figurehead um, of Maguire's for, for a very long time, come the 70s right through to now, um, even at his own TV show, um, he's still seen as a celebrity um, at SEMA. People queue um, to get his signature and a photo with him. Um, I've got one on my desk, but it does say to Daryl. Um, that was a joke by somebody in the, in the, in the group. But yeah, like I say, still family kind of still keeps that family name. We are owned by 3M now. It was a big acquisition by 3M, but we still keep a lot of the kind of family values that Maguire's has. Um, nothing's changed in the way that we approach car care and car enthusiasts. So it's like having just a bigger brother now that helps us do more with the brand. Ultimately, Maguire seems to have grown and the business has increased its product range almost in exact line with the way the classic car industry has grown itself. Some of the consumer products that uh, are still around in your product range now sort of came about in the late 60s, early 70s, where classic cars were starting to be recognised as such, and car shows were happening, and, and you can track, the, it sort of matches, doesn't it, how the, how the company grew? Yeah, completely. The Previous to Maguire's, I was actually a paint spray for 10 years, so I kind of understand how over the years paint has evolved and how cars have been treated you know you go from the single stage kind of cellulose right through to base coat clear coat now Maguire's has evolved and changed to suit what has been going on with the automotive industry we're very in tune with what's going on so the good thing about buying a modern Maguire's product is it's still all coat safe for a classic vehicle having an old-fashioned car doesn't mean you need to use old-fashioned products you can still use the top of the line products that have just been released I guess that's what having that partnership now under the 3M banner they're a global enterprise they have amazing laboratories that develop products has that really been what's taken Maguire's to the next level in recent years do you think um I think I think it's definitely helped like I say Maguire's has always been a progressive uh, brand you know it started out in the professional sector then moved on to the consumer um I'm, I'm definitely sure it's helped us it helped us reach a lot more people as well there's a lot of events we do now not particularly this year but in the past that we couldn't have done without that free and backing you know, doing events like Festival of Speed or Goodwood Revival, you know, doing those events, as you know, is expensive. And for us to talk and engage with people, it takes more money and more effort. So it's allowed us to really reach out and talk to more people. You are partners of the Jaguar Enthusiast Club and you support our annual Concours de Elegance that we hold at the Summer Jaguar Festival. Obviously, couldn't happen this year with so many things being cancelled. But you were with us at Blenheim back in 2019. And of course, you have this wonderful thing where um, your partner clubs, and we're one of them, the winners from each of the Concours that happen at all of the annual events, they go on to the big show at the NEC Classic Motor Show in November, don't they? Now, that's, that must have been a brilliant way of engaging with clubs and, and, and really supporting Concourse competitors through your product. 100%. You know, we're, we're not just focused on people walking through the kind of, yeah, 
the Halfords and, and going online. We, we want to interact directly with people. So for us, clubs are the grassroots car culture in the UK. Um, so working with clubs like the JEC um, is fantastic for us. You know, we attend up to 45 to 50 shows a year and the majority of them will be club events. And we also hold kind of club seminars at Maguire's HQ where clubs such as the JEC can come for a free morning and talk to us and talk about car care. Now this all, you know, all the hard work we put in for the year and all the hard work the owners and the clubs put in for the year does normally lead up to the NEC Classic Motor Show. And for us to have 16 cars all representing different clubs um, is just one big celebration of UK car culture. And, and the good thing is each car is a winner of an event that year. And, you know, it's just, it just drives passion and it just invites people to look around the stand and we do information boards of each car and each car tells a different story. And yeah, it's just fantastic. And like I say, clubs for us are an important source of engagement. How have you seen the concourse scene within the car clubs change over the last few years? The standards have gone mad, haven't they? Uh, yeah, I think the approach to a, a show winning car has completely changed. You know, I've seen people, you know, be judged at a car show for not having, you know, if they've got so much chrome in the engine bay, it, everything acts as a mirror. So, you know, a judge is showing me that you can see a rusty side of a bolt through, you know, a rocker head kind of thing, you know people's attention to detail and the amount of time and love they'll put into their car has just grown and grown. And I think over the years since I've been at Maguire's, you know, you'd be on the stand at the NEC car show and there'll be, I think over the, over the years, what I've seen changes, the potential winners has grown, if that makes sense. You know, normally you'd see a kind of thing, oh yeah, this guy, this guy or girl's got it. Then next year it'd be two or three cars and then the next year it's five cars and next year it's six cars that are just outstanding. And, um, yeah, and I think people's expectations of a clean car are so much higher. You know, there's less of this one product to one towel does everything. People are clued up now. They've got boxes and, and packed full of microfiber towels and tools and utensils to detail their cars. And, you know, when we're on the setup day, I think we spend more time waiting for the owners to pack up so we can leave, you know, and it's great to watch. The, the passion's there. And it's good to see. On the one hand, we've seen incredible restorations and some of the uh, professional businesses that are restoring cars now have really upped their game. But also, um, as you say, the, the owners themselves are expecting a lot from their cars. And it's not just the concourse competitors that your products are aimed at. They are, of course, aimed at getting everyday used classic cars looking at their best. So let's take someone who uses their classic Jaguar on a regular basis they go on holiday to europe in it they use it very regularly what should be in every jaguar owner's toolkit if you like of Maguire's products now this one always comes with a slight fear when you mention it to someone but it really is once you've used it you can't go wrong and that's the ultimate waterless wash and wax now for anyone that what i've learned about the jaguar owners club is that it's full of drivers they drive their car they love driving it now, this waterless wash and wax allows you to kind of spruce the car up when you arrive at an event or a friend's house or a restaurant or a park or anywhere you're taking it and safely clean the car without inflicting any swirls and scratches on it. Ultimate waterless wash and wax is definitely the go-to uh, product to keep in the, in the car for sure. 
Excellent. And and then, of course, there's other things, little tricks and techniques. I know you always recommend that you have a grid at the bottom of the bucket, don't you? Tell us more about that. Yeah, so um, the grit guard that sits at the bottom of the bucket, um, what this does when you are washing the car, if you're using a wash mitt or a sponge or whatever you're using, you dunk it into the water and you rub it on the grit guard that's sitting tight at the bottom of your bucket. And that traps and encapsulates dirt and grime and stops it swirling back up. Um, into the water and and removing the risk of scratching and swelling the paint. Now, people can take this to another step and use a two-bucket method. So you'd have one bucket with the grit guard in clear water and then your soapy water in another bucket. You know, you, you wash your panel with the soapy water and then dunk your wash mitt into the clear water, clean it, the wash mitt out in your rinse bucket and then back into the soapy water. You know, if you're just using the single bucket, ironically is the cleaner the car gets the dirtier the water is you're using to clean the car so using that second bucket to clean out the wash mitt can really improve your kind of everyday detailing and what do you think if someone's got a jaguar that has perhaps got some faded paint on it or has perhaps not had any care for a very very long time what's the single best thing they could use to really transform a tired looking car ultimate compound that's our go-to uh, restoration swell remover product. It's um, it's gonna it contains chemical cleaners that brighten the faded colour. Now, if it's a single stage paint and the pigment's been damaged, um, if it is looking dull, those chemical cleaners are going to revive that colour and give it the gloss. Or if you've got a car that's covered in swell marks, now if you look at the paint and it looks like it's covered in cobwebs, these are swells. These are micro scratches in the in the paint. Now, using the ultimate compound is not only going to revive tie colors it's going to remove those scratches and swells but also give it some gloss as well before using a wax there we are the secrets that are coming out of Maguire's today for you uh, and of course jc members can get discount on all of these products as well can't they through the club yes let's talk to greg then because here is a working model if you like an actual case study we'll call you greg uh, because you literally just days ago had your jaguar x-type given the good going over by the guys at Maguire's. uh welcome to the podcast greg first of all thanks wayne um tell us a little bit about your car then your i would say one of our jec young members guys which is excellent to have you on the podcast You've got a Jaguar X-Type. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so I've got a um, 2005 Jaguar X-Type. It's the XS version. So it was a limited edition run where they uh, had a body kit put onto it and a few kind of um, extras as well, including some 18-inch wheels and um, other bits and pieces. Um, I've had the car since I was 21 years old. So I've had it four years now. And uh, it was really purchased as my um, daily driver. So it's used every single day. It does over 10,000 miles a year. So I've, uh, I've, I've, I bought it with about 90,000, just under 90,000 on the clock. It's done well over 130,000 now. But um, I'm really into my cars. Um, so it started for me with a classic Mini, which I still own. That's my kind of classic car. Um, so I needed something to replace that for everyday use that I could drive you know, long miles without having to kind of really worry about it. Um, but because I'm into kind of my cars, I like to keep them nice. I like to keep them looking good so even though my Jaguar for me is my daily car that I you know drive hundreds of miles a week in I still you know want to keep it looking good well of course the x-type an important part of Jaguar's history it was the first small saloon that they'd made really since the 1960s and the arrival of the mark ii um so 
it's becoming a modern classic as we would call them now so it's great to see one being cherished and cared for because a lot of them are still out there as daily hacks and getting really abused aren't they let's face it so um it's nice to see one getting some care first of all then tell us what the car looked like paint wise before you took it to Maguire's at daventry i mean i like to consider myself um enthusiastic i think at the very least when it comes to kind of car care so i've got some you know nice products in the garage like Maguire's stuff already um so i try and keep it in as good nick as i can but unfortunately it's a it's a car of its age i think now 15 years old over well over 100,000 miles so it's you know had um you know light swell marks on it um imperfections in the paint and so on and so forth so whilst i say it was uh, it was it was quite nice before um after it's come out of Maguire's. Um, it's look I think it looks better now than it ever has done uh, in my ownership without a doubt it's put value on it now for you Greg it's worth more money (laughs) (laughs) absolutely well I I mean I was I was obviously I was considering um, you know buying a a newer Jaguar uh, soon but actually after after this uh, I think I'll be keeping it for a little (laughs) bit longer (laughs) and why did you choose the X-Type what was it about that particular model and about Jaguar for you yeah, I mean, uh, I love British cars. Um, my dad's uh, into his British cars as well. So he, he has old Reliant and Middlebridge Scimitars. Um, and he was really into his minis as well. So I, I had a mini since I, when I was 17. So I love British marks. And uh, obviously, uh, I love the history of Jaguar. And I think we were just driving down the motorway one day, me and my dad, and we saw an X-Type go past. And I said, well, you know, I quite like the look of those. You know, I wonder, wonder what they're like. And I started to do my research and actually realized how um how good value for money to pick up a second-hand uh, x-type was um you know and i've owned it four years now no major problems really other than the you know general things you'd expect to be replacing on on a car of that age um so that's kind of where it came from i guess yeah brilliant and uh, a proud jc member now which is excellent news uh, so dale let's talk about what you did to greg's x-type then he's rolled it in uh, you took a look at it what was the first thing that struck you by the car i didn't think there was much to do if i'm honest with you he clearly um looks after it um i was kind of hoping that it would be in worse condition than it was um but it was um it was clearly that um clearly showing that greg looks after it so what we started with um, was kind of obviously degrease it and wash it down. So we used our um, ultimate all-wheel cleaner on the wheels and tyres and to get inside the barrels, inside the spokes, get them really nice and clean. And then we gave it a degrease around the lower sections of the cars using our heavy-duty multi-purpose cleaner. Now, this is great before you... At this point, we're not kind of contact washing yet. We're doing everything we can before we physically touch the paint. So we jet wash it down afterwards to remove any kind of excess dirt and grease from the side skirts and lower bumper areas. And then we give it a snow foam, um, not just for fun because it looked great, um, just because we want to soften up any kind of dirt and grime that's sitting on the paint. So if you've never, if anyone listening has never seen or looked at snow foam before, um, it's not just a novelty um, as much as, you know, it seems that way. Um, it does cover the car in a, in a soapy kind of foam. And um, like I say, it loosens up and dirt, that dirt and grime. And then we jet wash that off and then it's ready for the t- contact wash. So we used our bucket and, and grit guard, um, our wash mitt and our um, shampoo. We gave it a good wash down. And then we dried it off with our big, large Supreme giant towel. And then it was time to get it inside into the bay and actually address how the paint looked and felt. 
So when we got into the bay, we could see there was light swell marks on it, but nothing too crazy. Um, so we gave it a, a clay bar with our new synthetic clay. Now, if no one's ever used a clay before. Yeah, these always look quite scary to me, Dale, to be honest. So, yeah, t- talk us through the process there. So there was a time where people would pay a valetor to come and clay buy your car, but it really is. I would always suggest it to being the first step into home detailing. It's your first bit of correction you can have a go at yourself. Now, it's a, you know, it is a clay-like substance. We were using our synthetic clay, so it's embedded into a pad. So you don't have to do anything other than move it on the paintwork. Now, use the lubrication detailer that's provided. So when the car's nice and dry and clean, if it feels rough to the touch, so if you run your hand and you can hear it and feel it, that means your car needs a clay. It means that there's contaminants sitting on the top of the paintwork, stopping it feeling like glass. So this clay will just erode and kind of move over the, uh, the contaminants and break them down and remove it from the paint safely. So it's not removing paint, it's just removing contaminants. Now you may find that after removing these particles from the paint that it will look a little bit better, but it's not going to change dramatically how the paint looks, but it will make the paint feel fantastic. So using it's nice and simple, just spray the detailing spray on the surface and then move the clay pad back and forth and let it remove those contaminants and then wipe away the microfiber towel. That's it. The most important thing to do at this point is to make sure, I guess, that your car is clean. So that all that preliminary washing and the snow foam that you did before is all making sure that there's nothing that you're going to, no grit and nasties that you're going to use the clay bar on that shouldn't have been washed off before. Exactly that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's making sure that the, the car's clean and cool to the touch. And then once you've worked an area at a time, just um, wipe down the microfiber towel and then move on. Um, the biggest rule with clay bars, if you do drop it on the floor, um, especially with traditional clay, it will need to go in, into the bin. Now, the advantage of our new synthetic clay pad is that it can be washed out. So wash it thoroughly, make sure anything's removed from there, and then it can be used again. But if it is dramatically contaminated, then we would advise maybe not using it too soon or without cleaning it thoroughly. So with the paint feeling super smooth um, and contaminant free, it's then to address the subsurface defects. So we've now talked about what's sitting on the paint. It's time to talk about what's sitting in the paint. Now these are gonna be scratches, swirls, and stains. So stains are your faded color. Your swirls and scratches are obviously the kind of circle marks that you see in the paint and singleized scratches. Now, A common question we get is, will your product remove a scratch? Now, before ever advising anyone, we we tell them to do the fingernail test. Run your fingernail over the scratch. If it doesn't catch, it means it can be removed using a product. If it does catch, then unfortunately it will need paint correction. So to remove the scratches and swirls and, and kind of refine the finish, we used our ultimate compound, which we mentioned earlier. So this takes advantage of microabrasives. Now this, to keep things kind of relative, we actually uh, documented each step of this, but we did everything by hand. There was no machine application because not everyone wants to use a machine polisher. So we used our even coat pad, which is a kind of chunkier microfiber pad, and really worked the ultimate compound in to remove those scratches and swells from the bonnet. Now we've done the reviving step. So with the refining, we used our ultimate polish. Now, polish, you know, is probably the most commonly used term when detailing a car. You know, the most common question I get at car shows is, what's your best polish? Now, my job is to, you know, guide 
the enthusiasts through what they mean by that. You know, do they want to enhance gloss? Do they want to protect or do they want to correct? Normally, after a few questions, you'll find out that they actually want to do something else that isn't a polish. Mm -hmm. um, so a polish for us is just enhancing gloss. So using our ultimate polish, we really, with that dark color of Greg's car, really give it a slick, wet finish using the ultimate polish. But key to kind of using a polish is understanding it won't protect the paint. Now, we'll have people say that they used a polish and it looked fantastic for a few days. Then a few weeks later, it looked exactly as it did beforehand, which is perfectly common. Um, so we would always advise using a wax afterwards to give it that extra bit of protection. Think of it as a, a layer of clear coat on the paint. It's going to give that paint the protection it needs once you put all that love into it. There's no... There's no point putting that time and effort in for it to be gone. So for this, we used our newest wax, which is our hybrid ceramic liquid wax. Ceramic is a, a word you probably hear more at the moment with regards to coatings, um, whereas this is incorporated, um, which I think Maguire's does the best, um, which is taking kind of technology that seems in inaccessible to anyone that's not professional and putting it in the hands of the you know, everyday user. So this is a traditional wax it would use, just like any other wax, but it's using hybrid ceramic properties to give it more protection and more gloss. And of course, we uh, announced the arrival of that ceramic, latest version of that ceramic product on the Friday Spotlight newsletter uh, just some weeks ago. And uh, already we know that the JEC members are using it and finding it amazing, as the Amazon reviews will pay testament to, I've noticed, <laughs> coming through. Uh, so yeah, a really brilliant overview there of what you did to Greg's X-Type and... The important point to make here is you've used no special techniques as such on professional products. It's all the stuff that we can buy from you and just learn how to use properly, basically. Exactly. And what we've done, we've documented each step by step, which the guys uh, believe will be featured in future spotlights. We've done a real how-to, but it, these aren't products you need to spend two or three days at a college for to find out how to use them. These are regular products you can get your local stockists or through the club. And, and go home and use straight away that there's no kind of there's no task to them you know they're nice and easy and accessible more than anything and so greg now you've seen how the guys at Maguire's have transformed your x-type are you feeling confident now you can go and give this a go yourself in future times to keep it looking as good as it looks now yeah absolutely so uh, i'm gonna try and keep on top of it keep it nice and clean i've got some uh, Maguire's uh, quick detailer as well so i'm gonna uh, before i go away on holiday i'm gonna you know put some of that over it and just uh, uh, bring off the bring up the shine again but um yeah gonna keep it uh keep it nice gonna keep on top of it um and it's going to come in handy brilliant well of course we hope to see you greg at some of the new young jaguar enthusiast club events that we have uh planned we had loads planned for this year but of course they've all been ruined by <laughs> the problems that we've seen in the world around us but uh, a new thing for the jec is that it's a uh, young members um register or club or or section if you like and uh, be really good to have you a part of that and see more x types within the club and see more cherished cars like yours uh, gracing events like the summer jaguar festival so uh, greg enjoy your holiday in it and uh, <laughs> we hope to see you at an event soon thank you I'll, I'll be there definitely thank you and dale before we let you go just an update for us then on something that we've been following throughout the months via friday spotlight and through the jc how is tom versus dale going is the s type nearly finished yet <laughs> the the s type is nearly finished it has spent a lot of its time with the the great guys at swallows racing um who have gone above and beyond with the build 
Um, Tom has done a fantastic job pretty much project managing this for me. Um, and now it's with the Motorworks and we're going for a colour change. And because I was allowed to custom make some silly wheels, we need to make adjustments to the bodywork to accommodate the wheels. Swallows have kindly donated uh, some S-type front wings that are being moulded into the kind of rear arches to allow for the wider wheel because the front wings are actually a little bit wider. Um, so it's making great progress. It is going for a colour change. Um, you know, typically we are going British Racing Green, um, but we're looking at different kind of pearlescence to put in the colour because there's so many curves on there. We might as well take advantage of the car and, and how good looking it is. Um, some body changes as well. We're kind of opening up the front grille. You know, it has the little indent where the kind of Jaguar head sits. We're kind of opening up that to give it more of a retro look. Um, the spoiler's gone. Don't hate me. Um, the spoiler's gone because the old ones didn't have, obviously, a spoiler. So I wanted to kind of keep that retro line. And yeah, we've got some little touches and ideas coming. So hopefully um, you guys will be seeing a new episode soon. Brilliant. Well, we look forward to it. And we look forward to seeing the car in the flesh at some point as well, when finally we're all allowed out and able to do shows again. So uh, uh, Dale Masterman from Maguire's, fantastic insight there into how we can make all of our Jags look amazing. And uh, well, thanks to you for uh, supporting the JEC, of course, and for giving us the great tuition that you do at all of our shows when you come out and give those demonstrations on cars like Greg's. Uh, that you've done there so uh, and thanks to greg as well uh, for joining us on the jc podcast that's all for this episode of the jaguar enthusiast club podcast don't forget to keep in touch with us here on the jc podcast via www.jcpodcast.com and you can get in touch with us very easily by using the voice recorder on there to leave us a message or you can use the contact form if you prefer to write your messages don't forget you can also join the jaguar enthusiast club online by clicking the Join Today button on the top right-hand corner of the podcast page to enjoy all the benefits plus the fantastic free magazine that you will get as a member of the worldwide Jaguar family that is the JEC. This is the Jaguar Enthusiasts Club podcast. Subscribe for new episodes at jecpodcast.com.